Bitcoin, Ethereum, and Blockchain Super Conference is coming to Dallas, Texas, February 16, 17, and 18 in 2018. If you know of a better way to get the latest insider knowledge about crypto, to hear directly from the top minds in this field, to interact personally with 800 fellow crypto lovers, hodlers, investors, miners, traders, developers, and founders, then I'd like to hear about it. If you don't, then you don't want to miss out. Register today for the Bitcoin, Ethereum, and Blockchain Super Conference. Go to BitcoinSuperConference.com and register today as a super early bird to get the lowest rates on tickets and hotel rooms. That's BitcoinSuperConference.com. Welcome to Almost Here, Round the Corner of Future Technology podcast with Richard Jacobs. Future technologies poised to transform our lives for better or worse are the focus of this podcast. Almost Here means these technologies are now here and starting to be used. We're just around the corner from Bitcoin to artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more. Hello and welcome to the Future Tech Podcast, everyone. My name is Josh Thomas, and I'm here with Anatoly Kvitnitsky from Trulio.com. Hey, Toli, how's it going? Hey, thank you for having me. Really excited to be on. Excellent. Uh, and so we've uh, we've been looking into your company, Trulio.com, and, and from what we understand, you assist companies in uh, locating and verifying data on people. You don't store it, but you have these this ability to access it. So give us a quick overview of, of how Trulio works and, and who it's for. Yeah, uh, happy to. So Trulio, we're a global identity verification company. Uh, today, we're able to verify roughly 4.5 billion people across about 60 different countries. And the way we do that is through a marketplace of, of data. So in much in the same way, like you take an Uber, but yet Uber doesn't own any of the cars or you rent a place from Airbnb, but Airbnb doesn't actually own the apartment that you're staying in. Um, truly you, we use consumer data to verify someone, though we don't actually own the data. We just provide access through it. We have over 350 different data partners um, on our network that we use to verify those 4.5 billion people. Um, and that's how And that's how we do it around the world. And so I'm curious, uh, it, the way that a lot of us would be able to relate is I, we, we're aware that, you know, Facebook, for instance, has a couple of data partners and they call them, you know, big data, basically. And they can find out just about anything you want to know about a potential customer for advertising purposes down to the, you know, the flavor of orange juice that they like. Is that, is that kind of what you do, but for, uh, for other companies? So, um, in a way, yes and no. Um, you know, we we don't frank, we frankly don't really care what orange juice you like, um, nor you know the previous three websites that you visited. Um, even though it's super interesting, um, you know, I'd love to see the the data on my stuff. Actually, it was just um, I don't know if you're aware in Europe, um, every consumer now has the right to pull the data that a company has on them. Um, so, uh, some it was a it was a young lady. She she was a Tinder user, and she said, hey, you know. Let me see. Let me let me ask Tinder what they have on me, and they gave her a report of 400 pages from nine months of use. Um, so oh, wow. so it's it's a little scary. So, uh, you know, past you know, I, I'm sure they I'm sure Tinder knows a little bit more than the kind of orange juice um, that you like. Um, but we're a little different. Yeah. We focus on the personal information typically used for financial products. So um, imagine yourself signing up for a PayPal account or a bank account, and the things that you're typically entering to get an account there. Um, so 
fields like address, date of birth, um, possibly a social security number or the equivalent in a different country. Um, inputs like that, uh, just so we can verify to make sure that the business uh, that is, is signing up this customer knows who they're dealing with so that they know it's Anatoly, they know it's Richard, and they're comfortable doing business with us and that the information ma um, uh, matches from, from other, other points of truth, like credit bureaus, uh, carrier information, and things like that. So that's the data that we typically focus on, um, just the data needed to sign up for products like that. Okay, very good. And so who, who would be a, uh, a typical type of client to use the service? Sure. So it's banks, financial institutions, marketplaces, all all fit the bill. Um, essentially, we we meet what's called AML and KYC compliance, so anti money laundering and know your customer compliance, which basically means that you have to make sure that the person you're doing business with, especially if you're providing them a means to move money from one person to another, first is who they say they are, and two is not a bad guy. Um, so in addition to checking information about who you are, we're also checking about 70 different um, watch lists and known criminal lists. Um, and that ranges from a variety of different use cases, anywhere from you know banks, which is the most obvious, to new emerging ones like marketplaces and even ICOs in the crypto world. Um, and all of those use cases uh, all have an AML KYC compliance component to it. And so tell me a little bit more about the ICOs. We have uh, we have a huge uh, audience of crypto enthusiasts. Uh, so tell me uh, what what would be a typical use case for for an ICO? Is it is it just compliance or are there other uses? Yeah, great question. So if from from our perspective, it, it is compliance. Um, you know, I, I would actually point to uh, everyone should, should, everyone in that's interested in the space should take a look at um, the the guidelines that GDAX, um, which is Coinbase's uh, exchange posted for for what they consider before they add a token to their exchange um, and compliances they have a whole section for compliance um, so basically from a you know the entrepreneurs launching the coin um, you have to do things like to make sure that is the coin a security or utility um, if it's security it's not a bad thing um, they just have to do the proper legal um, uh, to, to make sure everything everything is kosher with that coin before doing an ICO, um, or is it is it an actual is it an actual utility? Meaning, um, like Ethereum is a great example. Is is the coin paid to do something and not like pay dividends as an example? And there's um there's a a, a legal a legal test called the Howey test. Um, to determine that. So those things were not involved with, but then the compliance piece, um, uh, as far as when you're getting money, um, whether it's e whether it's Ether, which is the most common, obviously, or Bitcoin or Ripple or whatever, or even fiat currency, um, then the AML KYC compliance piece comes in. And right in the GDAC standards, um, which is uh, what I've seen is the most diligent standards and most diligent checklist um, that AML and KYC standards cannot be compromised, meaning that at some point, I know everyone likes to think crypto has to be anonymous, um, but at some point to make it a legal currency, you have to know who, who the person is who's moving these funds, whether it's fiat or whether it's crypto. Um, and that does involve at some point verifying the person to make sure it's not bad guys um, moving money, you know, from each other um, and, th and, and the in the like. So, so that's where we come in. Um, we've helped many ICOs um, verify the investors that, that they're dealing with. Um, and then the U.S., uh, you know, there's, there's also the 
Um, the, you, you have to make sure it's an accredited investor, which we do not help with. Um, but but that's to make sure, you know, in the case that your ICO drops, that the people who were an accredited investors can actually ask for their money back, um, um, which right. isn't a great outcome for for the entrepreneurs doing the ICO bump. But where we come in is the AML KYC piece um, before these entrepreneurs can get whether fiat or other cryptocurrency in um, in exchange for their tokens. And so, so tell me a little bit more about how how you got into this space. What was what was the inspiration, and did you just see a major gap? Uh, and wanted to fill that need, or was it some other reason? Yeah, great question. So our founders, uh, Stephen Ufford and Tannis George, have been in the data and personal identity space um, for almost 20 years now. Um, so they started one of the first uh, credit bureaus in Canada, including a direct-to-consumer, um, like a Credit Karma of Canada as well, um, and a identity protection, identity restoration company um, as well, which they all sold. Um, but what they've seen uh, in the in the market, um, and what they've seen was the gap in the market was how hard it was to verify and how hard it was to even get any form of information on people outside of the G5 market. So it's pretty easy to get information on someone, you know, including what orange juice they like um, in U.S., Canada, U.K., um, but in other places like India, China, um, Indonesia, it gets really tricky. It gets really hard. Um, And in in, in our mind, um, what we view is one of the biggest reasons why so much of the world and the population is underserved with financial products um, like banking and, and, and things like that and even e-commerce and things that we take for granted here in the U.S. Um, is because the businesses like the PayPal's, like, a, you know, Citibank can't verify the person that, that wants to open an account. Um, and all, that, all of that starts with, uh, with the verification piece. So that's what Trulio was started um, with our mission um, to help the, you know, to help the underbanked um, by being able to verify verify uh, the entire world's population of 7 billion people. Oh, that's a, uh, that's a hefty task to be sure. So how, how long have you been in this? Uh, so the company is a little over five years old now. Um, we're Vancouver, Canada-based. I'm proud of it. Uh, I'm calling from our uh, San Francisco um, uh, San Francisco office where we have a smaller team um, and, and I've been with the company a little over three years uh, and so far you know I, even even since I've been here we've seen the amount of people and the amount of countries that we can cover double um, in a really short amount of time um, when we continue to, to push forward with that with that hefty uh, mission statement as you put it. You know with with all of the uh, ICOs and let's talk about that for a minute there there are many, many issues. The SEC is trying to weigh in. Uh, the FTC is trying to weigh in. All of these government entities here in the U.S. Uh, are seeing what's happening, and there there are issues with it being, well, is it a token or is it a coin? Is it a security or does it have utility? Uh, are you compliant? Are you non-compliant? Where do you see, you know, let's say we fast forward, you know, one to two years into the future. What role do you see compliance playing in, in the crypto world? Uh, because I, I think it's for a long time, it's just been an afterthought and it's, it's mm-hmm. coming more into the light. Yeah, sure. So, uh, you know, I'll caveat everything by saying uh, just my opinion and nowhere am I a lawyer and I don't play one on podcasts either. Um, but I actually think compliance will legitimize the space a lot. Um, we still see a lot of naysayers. Um, I just saw an article that Bitcoin futures is going to be entering uh, like the NASDAQ 
exchange. Um, so for more coins and for more cryptocurrencies to enter, call it more mainstream, um, and outside of, you know, what Coinbase is probably the most mainstream, but outside of the three that they currently have, um, I think compliance has to play a role. Uh, so, you know, a, a thousand plus coins in existence is probably not necessary. Um, and, you know, what I, I, I read a lot about them and, I you know, you constantly see um, them failing, uh, you know, all these, all like the Howey tests and things like that by promising returns and promising dividends and things like that, which does make them a security which does put them under the you know watchful eye of the of the SEC and, and, and such. Um, so I think that more companies should should probably lawyer up um, and better understand what they're saying and what it means because you can't say you know we're going to promise you returns we're going to promise you dividend and this is totally a token. Um, it's that's that's exactly the opposite uh, you know of what a utility token is um, if you're promising financial returns and dividends and things like that. Um, so I think compliance is does need to play a role in it. Um, and then the AML KYC piece um, uh, uh, also does need to play a huge role in it um, to avoid another, uh, for example, like Silk Road from happening, um, AML KYC uh, verifications um, to make sure the bad guys aren't using the cryptocurrency um, for legal activity uh, does play a big role in it. Um, and, and it does sound like a little bit of a headache, um, but the more, call it legitimate, the more um, you know, I just did an ICO, the ICON uh, ICO, and they did a full check on, on which country you're from, um, on identity verification um, and such. So you see the more, uh, call it sophisticated, or the more maybe serious ones that will be around um, for, for the long term already taking these measures. Um, and hopefully that the compliance will kind of weed out some of these guys um, that are just trying to make a quick buck off of it. Um, so uh, long story short, I think ultimately it will be actually a, a positive um, for the market in general. Oh, I agree. Um, you know, the w at some point, the the cryptocurrency industry has to exit the wild, wild west phase that it's in now. And uh, I think that's going to come with regulation. And as you said, that will legitimize the industry significantly. And, you know, hopefully prices will, you know, stabilize and uh, the coins that are supposed to be for utility are used for utility and, and all of the ones that are um, shoddily made will just disappear. Mm -hmm. uh, do you have any quick thoughts on that? Uh, you know, what is, what is a general time frame where you would expect you know, compliance to really come in and, and reshape this industry? Well, it's, uh, you know, the, to, for, for, to force everyone, it will take um, you know, exchanges to to take like exactly what Coinbase is doing to actually look at each one of these coins and make sure that they have met all of the different standards. Like that's why I think the GDAX, um, um, it's about a five page uh, document um, that has different checkboxes to make sure you're meeting your security compliance, you're meeting your IML KYC compliance. But most exchanges um, that I'm sure you're a part of and I'm a member of myself, uh, definitely do not do that. You know, they, they're they in it for the volume game, so they're just going to keep adding all of these, um, you know, every new coin that's popping up. Um, so until exchanges take a look at 
you know, which coins they're actually adding and is there value there? Is there, is this a token or is this a security? Did they, what was their ICO process like? Did they actually follow, um, you know, SEC guidelines if it is a security? Did they meet AML KYC compliance or is this, you know, blind money entering their exchange, which actually in some ways makes the exchange now liable to AML KYC compliance fines um, until exchanges go through those measures like GDAX publicly said they would. Um, that's uh, until then or until government um, gets involved. Um, uh, I think that's what I think that's what it'll take because ultimately these the the ICOs, the new tokens, want to be traded, want to be um, you know more liquidity on them, um, and for and the exchanges actually probably first have to have to take a closer look at it, um, and then government um, will probably come in uh, not as fast as some of these exchanges will will take the measures, um, but will eventually. Um, so again, just just my my thoughts of how I think it'll play out. Very good. And so uh, who in our audience uh, would be an an ideal uh, client or somebody that would visit your site and interact with it? Sure. So we are an entirely business-to-business -business, uh, company. Um, you know, we, we're not—we don't sell a product um, we, for just consumers, um, but we do sell for whether it's the, some of the largest banks and payment processors in the world, um, all the way down to you know uh, garage garage startups. Um, so if if someone is starting a company that it, whether it's an, whether it's a cryptocurrency company, whether it's a marketplace, any company that's allowing the exchange of funds, whether again fiat or or, or crypto, um, from one person to another, um, then you should really take at least take a look about what AML KYC compliance means. Um, and then if we can be helpful, uh, you know, then 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 give us a visit at uh, trulyu.com and we'd be ha happy to help. And then my email address is totally at trulyu.com, um, t o l y at trulyu.com, and anyone's uh, more than welcome to ping me as well to chat about it. Very good. Uh, Anatoly Kvitnitsky from Trulio.com. I'm going to spell a couple of things for you here. It's Trulio, T-R-U-L-I-O-O.com. And if you want to reach out to Toli directly, it's Toli, T-O-L-Y, at Trulio.com. And that has two O's. Yep. Uh, totally. Thank thanks you. very much for, for being on here and joining us for the Future Tech Podcast. Uh, any final thoughts for our audience? Um, I love what you guys are doing. Um, you know, I've listened to uh, some of uh, some of your other podcasts. Um, I hope you continue to educate um, the world about what's happening um, in in biometrics and the cryptocurrency space. Um, and hopefully, you know, the, the hard work that you're doing um, will pay dividends by more people just being more aware of it and getting more involved with it in the future. So, thank. I'm really, really excited to be on here, and thank you for having us. Very good. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. We'll see you next time. The Bitcoin, Ethereum, and Blockchain Super Conference is coming to Dallas, Texas, February 16, 17, and 18 in 2018. If you know of a better way to get the latest insider knowledge about crypto, to hear directly from the top minds in this field, to interact personally with 800 fellow crypto lovers, hodlers, investors, miners, traders, developers, and founders, then I'd like to hear about it. If you don't, then you don't want to miss out. Register today for the Bitcoin, Ethereum, and Blockchain Super Conference. Go to BitcoinSuperConference.com and register today as a super early bird to get the lowest rates on tickets and hotel rooms. That's BitcoinSuperConference.com.
You have been listening to Almost Here, Around the Corner Future Technology Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Subscribe to this podcast, post a review, to discover more future technologies that are poised to transform our lives for better or worse, such as Bitcoin, artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more.